Welcome to episode 27 of Kyperion Commentary. I'm your host, Yuri Brito. And on this episode, I've decided to do something a bit different. I want to focus specifically on the needs and what we can do as parishioners and pastors in the congregation uh, to help the weakest in our midst, members of the church in need of the body in specific ways. And I want to focus specifically on members in Christ's body with autism. And I have with me uh, two very special guests, old friends of mine that went to college with me, Tim and Christine Russell. Uh, Tim and Christine, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Yuri. Yeah, delight to have both of you with us here. I want to begin by just simply giving you a platform to just share uh, very briefly your story uh, with your own family, Tim. Uh, we've been married for 16 years, almost 16 years, and uh, we have two boys. They are 13 and 11, Joshua, who is uh, 13, and David, who is 11. Now, Joshua, when he was four years old, was diagnosed with autism, and uh, that started us down uh, what has been a very long road of trying to understand autism and, uh, in particular, understand the the complexities of, of shepherding a child who has... has a very different way of perceiving and understanding the world, um, and also trying to navigate the relational issues between uh, Josh and his brother David, and uh, also just trying to deal with uh, the realities of the impact of autism on just the family in general and even marriage. So, uh, so we, we've 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 come a long way, and uh, we've still got a lot to learn, but a couple ideas that we. Uh, feel pretty confident to share. Thank you for that, Tim. I, I want to begin by just talking about the, uh, I'm a pastor, and you you and your, your wife have been in church ministry for a very long time. I want to begin specifically in how we as a church can minister to parents with children who are autistic. And I, I think that's, I want to begin there before we get to image bearers who have autism. I want to begin with the parents, the ones who are called to shepherd these um, loved children of God. How can we as a church minister to saints like you and Christine? Christine, why don't you take that? That is a very loaded question that I really appreciate that you ask because a lot of people are afraid to ask that or don't know how to approach that subject and hence never ask it and help is never given. Parenting a child with autism is a very difficult job and it's a very lonely job and it's also difficult because the outside world doesn't understand so within the church in particular I would highly recommend that you as past a pastor or you know those within the church members of the congregation that they would not judge I can't tell you how many people inside the church have told us we just need to spank our kid more. Um, you know, so many times I just feel like saying, walk a day in my shoes and then, you know, try to tell me how to parent. Um, it is very difficult because you are dealing with so much more 
than just the sinfulness of the heart. And it's hard to differentiate what is a sin issue and what is just related to the disability and how can I help them with their overwhelmed feelings of just the world around them because they don't process the same way we do. And that being said, because, you know, you're always having to be on top of your game and always expending so much physical and mental and even emotional Emotional, energy, you are exhausted all of the time. So what would be helpful Offer to bring a meal and don't just say, would a meal be helpful? Say, I am going to bring a meal. Is there any type of foods that I need to stay away from? And that would be important to ask because there are um, a lot of food issues, dietary things that can be triggers for kids with autism. But just, you know, putting it out there. Don't just say, how can I help? Because we're so overwhelmed as it is, we feel half the time that we can't even think straight. So for us to come up with ideas of help, it's better if you just offer something and then give us the chance to say yes or no. So offering a meal would be huge. Offering to provide childcare, be willing to come into their homes and help, you know, like ask for the parents to teach you how to deal with their child so that they can feel comfortable leaving them in your care and go out. It's exhausting and it's draining on the marriage. And, you know, like there have been so many times where Mm -hmm. Tim and I can't even remember the last time that we went on a date because it's too hard to find childcare. We'll try to ask on occasion. And most of the time people will say, oh, we'll take David. But then, you know, it kind of defeats the whole point if we don't have somebody for Josh. Um, so, so like, those are really tangible ways. Another thing, and, um, you know, you may get a little pushback, but I would say if people are persistent, um, just offering to help with laundry or housework because as a mom – your house falls apart because you spend all of your waking time just trying to keep your child Mm. stable and the house suffers. I, you know, I hate the clutter. I hate that I can't stay on top of dishes or laundry. And, you know, it's very humbling to have to say, yeah, I need help, but it's a lot easier if somebody comes to me and says, hey, can I come over and help with housework? It's a lot easier for me to then say, well, if you really want to, that would be a huge blessing, as opposed to having to go and say, I am so overwhelmed. I am up to my elbows in mess. Can you please come help? <laughs> what what a lot of people don't understand is that moms, especially, it's true of my family, uh, they tend to spend so much of their time and energy simply on the phone and in emails back and forth with therapists, with teachers, with different doctors. support people at school, balancing the 15 different doctors and specialists, um, juggling uh, appointments, and then to have to, you know, maybe they work too, or maybe they then they have to do meals and clean the house. It's over. It's it is utterly overwhelming. I want to ask this question specifically because I think this is something that, uh, you know, apart from this audio, which I think will be a, a very helpful tool to give the pastors, one of the things I think that since we are shepherding congregations, it's important that congregations know how to shepherd one another also in the process. 
And so that our shepherding as pastors need to be a, 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 an educational, instructive kind of shepherding so that that, um, that shepherding becomes and multiplied and replicated in the congregation. If you had uh, one or two things to say to pastors uh, concerning uh, children with autism in your congregation, how would you encourage a pastor or what exhortation would you give a pastor to give to their congregation? Um, and I can give just one example here. Would you encourage pastors post articles on ministering to children with autism in the church? What kinds of things would you encourage a pastor to do? Because my suspicion is most pastors who are regular you know, fathers may be somewhat unaware or ignorant of how to deal with these kinds of situations in their own churches. So how, how would you begin that conversation, Tim? That's a really great question, Yuri. I think that what pastors can do is to model a a heart of love for children who have autism, uh, and they they demonstrate that through how they include them in various activities of church life. Um, it's it's and and even trying to to go out of their way to make the church a warm and welcoming place for the family and the child or individual who has disability or who has autism. Um, it is a sad reality that the divorce rate among families who are touched with disability and autism is significantly higher than the general population because it's tough on the marriage. It's also true that families who have uh, autism or disability, they tend to drop out of the church in much larger numbers. They tend to be more unchurched. Uh, and that's oftentimes, in our experience talking with other families, it's because the church uh, doesn't know how to reach out to those who have special needs. So things pastors can do is to... Um, encourage different elders or members of the church to think about how the church can reach out to the people inside the community already who have special needs and to learn to love them and to include them in ministry. So uh, include someone who's in a wheelchair as a greeter at the door. Include someone with autism to do uh, something that they may be particularly gifted at or love to do, uh, to include them in service projects. And that's a way of demonstrating the love for these people. They're a part of the body of Christ and, and they are useful to the body of Christ. And when the church goes without those who are struggling with autism or disabilities, the church actually suffers because the church doesn't understand what it is to um, to recognize that we're all broken because of sin. And, and my brokenness may not be as visible as your brokenness, but I'm broken nonetheless. So in Christ, we come together and we are made whole in Christ. And as the body coming together, the stronger helping the weaker, the weaker helping the stronger, it is, it is what Christ has intended for the church. So if pastors can get their heart behind that mission, that passion, great things happen for the church, for the community, and for the kingdom of God as the church loves people 
who are ostracized in, in society. Tim, that is a, a really lovely, succinct summary. Thank you for sharing that. And the one thing I want to add is also the that I think the message of the church, uh, sp- speaking specifically of the, of the conservative evangelical church, we are very committed to a pro-life ethic, a pro-life um, way of doing ministry. And at the same time, I think while we, we put so much of our effort in protesting in front of abortion clinics, as we do in our congregation here in Pensacola. Uh, at the same time, I think there's a more holistic way of looking at the pro-life issue that I think we fail to grasp, and that is in ministering to holistically to those who are weak within our body, those who are already there, so that life becomes an issue not just before conception, but after conception and after birth, after delivery, that we're treating these people um, as image bearers from their first breath to their last no matter what stage of life they may be or no matter how disabled they are. Um, and I think that's the the, the the holistic vision that I think the church really needs to recover. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Really good. It's a good foundation. Um, and I would say, like, one thing that, you know, churches often do, which, you know, kind of hurts in the long run, and that's why a lot of people, families touched by autism, end up, leaving the church is there's no space. There's no acceptance for somebody different, you know, for somebody with autism, somebody with autism may like, like to clap their hands or have to fidget, or they might repeat phrases, um, may not be able to sit still. So, you know, that's, that's frowned upon in a lot of congregations, like get your kid under control. And, uh, instead of, making it be a welcoming place or trying to find out what things could be done to help the child be able to better sit or participate in service, you know, they're asked to leave. Or, you know, one parent has to sit out in the lobby with the the child, and so then they're not being ministered to. And then a lot of times, you know, they figure, well, if I have to sit out here with my child, I might as well just stay home with my child. And that's kind of how you end up with this mass exodus from the churches when it comes to kids touched by disability, particularly with autism. So, you know, having that acceptance, or even most parents would love that you address the elephant in the room. So, you know, talk to these families and say, hey, I am so glad to have your son in our service. Would you mind if we introduce him to the congregation and explain a little bit about him? Because then all of a sudden, the clapping or, you know, the repeating of phrases that he hears or this or that no longer becomes a distraction. People recognize this is his way of worshiping God and how awesome that he can be here with us to worship God. So, you know, you've covered that elephant in the room and now there's an acceptance instead of an annoyance or, you know, a judgment on the parents like what's wrong with them? Why can't they get their kid under control? Let me delve just a little bit in a couple of um a couple of things I think most parishioners will struggle conversing with parents whose children are autistic. They don't know what to say. So let's offer some practical examples, uh, Tim and Christina. What what ought we say to parents and what ought we not to say to parents? And I think most Christians are simply not prepared, apart from various cliches that they have picked up over the years, uh, to speak in a way that ministers 
uh, to families in times of difficulties. How, what, what kinds of things should we say and what kinds of things have you heard over the years that have not been helpful at all? <laughs> uh, my biggest pet peeve is, you know, maybe you should just spank him more. Um, in regards to his if behavior. If they only knew. Yeah, if they only knew. Um, but other hurtful things would be, you know, people who give you that cliche, oh, well, God won't give you more than you can handle, so you must be really strong. And, you know, my retort to that is usually, um, actually, God will give me more than I can handle because I can't be doing things in my own strength. I need his to carry on. Or, you know, like, wow, you are super mom, or God knew you were special, so he gave you a special child. That is not helpful, and it's not true. God calls each one of us to a particular task, and he gives us different gifts. And, you know, I see my son as a gift, and it was God's design for my life. But that doesn't make me any more special than you even though you don't have a child with autism. Um, you know, like a lot of times, too, you might get people saying, well, maybe God's just trying to teach you something, or, you know, maybe you've got some kind of sin that you need to work through in your life. And no, not helpful. You know, just kind of going back to in the Bible when the the blind man, you know, the disciples were asking who sinned, him or his family, and it could be neither. It's just that God designed for him to be blind. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, what would be helpful is for you to just simply recognize that life is hard. You know, I can't imagine how you are feeling or I can't imagine how you make it through each day. I'm so sorry. You know, just truly being sympathetic to the cause, you may not understand. So so don't try to understand. Don't try to be trite about it. But just, you know, acknowledge that you are, are you know, you're recognizing the difficulty and that you sympathize with them. Um, you know, letting them know that you're here for them. You know, I'm here for you. And, you know, offering a meal or offering to come help clean the house or offering child care um, or, you know, can you teach me more about your your child so that I can help you when you come to church? You know, like having having a buddy is a wonderful thing, but that's probably a topic for another time um, at church just to help the family out so that they can participate in worship. But um you know, offering to pray for them, but not just that, Pat, I'll pray for you, but yeah. say, yeah. can I pray with you right, right now? now. Yeah. Hearing somebody else pour out their heart in earnest prayer for you is one of the most edifying and encouraging things. So, you know, take the time to just stop and pray with them right there. Connect with them regularly. Check in with them, you know, on a weekly basis or, you know, however you feel that you can commit. And just help them know that you are there, that you do care, instead of just kind of ignoring them because you don't know what to say. 
Um, you know, even just encouraging, I mean, the moms seem to get the the hardest hit because they get the most criticism and judgment. But, you know, just saying you're a great mom or, you know, you're just so patient or, you know, compliment the child to the parent. You know, I saw your child smile at me when I said hello. That is huge for a kid with autism. So, you know, being told that instead of always hearing, oh, your kid wouldn't share the crayons in Sunday school today, you know, like point out the good things because the, even the smallest positive huh. thing is huge when it comes to a child with autism. No, oh, that is that is so incredibly helpful. I, I really look forward putting that conversation in the ears of, of my people, Christine. Thank you for sharing that. Let, let me ask you one final question because I, I want to get a little bit of the autobiography of a mother and a father with an autistic child. I remember having this conversation with, with Tim some time ago and one of the things that you said, Tim, was that you um, as a father and, as a, and Christine as a mom too are always second-guessing yourself, doubting your ability to parent? Are you doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Can you talk a little bit about that, that, that angst and that, that the life of, of a parent with an autistic child, which is not, uh, we view parenting, there are so many books on parenting that focus specifically on very objective things that we can do. Here is the black and white of parenting. Well, with a child of autism, those colors are blown away. <laughs> uh, tell me a, a bit about that, if, if you don't mind developing that thought a bit. So um, a, a couple thoughts. So Christine and I have already said it's hard. One of the things that makes it so hard is as a Christian, sin in our children needs to be dealt with and, and addressed. We have to shepherd them in, in their relationship with Christ, in their cultivating an uh, attitude of love and respect. But for the child with autism, who perceives things and understands things and processes everything differently than we do, it becomes incredibly difficult to be able to thread the needle of what part of this behavior that we're dealing with right now is he is a sinner and rebelling against his good and gracious God? Or is it he is struggling with sensory overload and is at his wit's end and just simply doesn't know how to cope? What combination is it of the two? Um, and then how how do you discipline and parent through that. I would encourage parents who uh, who have children with autism who are struggling with the with the discipline piece give yourself a little bit of grace mm -hmm. because it is so hard. Recognize that God is the one who controls the outcomes. You simply have to be in that moment there in prayer to the best of your ability and the best of your wisdom to to help this child understand how God's grace is dispensed to them in this moment, in this behavior, to 
love them and shepherd them and where appropriate discipline sin, but also be gracious to help and accommodate when life has simply overwhelmed their senses and they're just unable to cope. Um, so give yourself a little bit of breathing room, which is one of the reasons why we encourage parents who have typical children who've never had these challenges to be gracious with criticism. Because it is it, there's so much that you simply don't understand. Um, so the, the life of a parent is one that's uh, often filled with angst. It's the angst that I think all parents have. Are they going to turn out okay? Are they ever going to get married? Uh, are they going to follow hard after Christ or are they going to go adrift in the world? Um, you know, that is a big prayer of ours. And one of the things that Christine and I have had to come to um, terms with, difficultly I may add, is the reality that it is God who's going to care for our son. Like, I can't make him believe I can't make him obey. I can't make him do what he doesn't want to do. And and the reality is that's just true for all children. But the knowledge of our sovereign Lord with his claims over their life gives us hope and encouragement as we earnestly seek the Lord to work within them the faith and the love that, that they must have and they must demonstrate. At times, it's it's really discouraging. Um, and then there are other times when we do see the Spirit breaking through. We see some really wonderful signs of hope and life. Um, be gracious with yourself. It'll work out. Christine, you were going to say something? Yeah, I mean, coming from uh, a mom's side, who usually the moms are the ones who deal with all the therapists, um one thing that I have always struggled with, because like you said, you know, there are no parenting books that tell you how to parent a child with autism. Um, most of the recommendations for addressing behaviors in those books are just not applicable to yeah. a kid with autism. Yes. So, you know, I don't have the benefits of a self-help book in that sense. And I rely heavily on the therapists who are the experts in the field, who, you know, have studied behavioral um, interventions to guide me in different things that I could do to help my son not be so overwhelmed, to help him do non-preferred activities and not have a meltdown. And, you know, they're coming from a secular worldview. And so it's really hard for me to then to take that and think, okay, how much of that should I go ahead and implement and use? But at the same time, how much of that should I look through the lens of the gospel and the fact that we are all sinners and not just let him get away with sinful behaviors. So like, it's, it's just mm. this constant daily yeah. battle with how as a Christian parent, should I address this behavior and apply this behavioral intervention? Because I want to, you know, 
do it from both sides. So that's just a that's just a really big struggle. And I mean, it's a daily basis of just always praying every time a new behavior pops up, God, give me wisdom and how to do this. And I used to beat myself up so much because I am a perfectionist and, you know, always want to be doing the right thing. And I, you know, God has just had to convict me that he's got this. I can do the best with the skills that God has given me. And I just need to trust that even in my failures, God still has my son's heart and he's going to help him to learn. Oh, um, it's been such a delight to see you all uh, undergoing this journey together with your children and learning in this great um, paradoxical world we live in and dealing with autism and learning in the process and applying the gospel in the process and then um, doubting the process but yet learning from it and seeing the good the difficult it is it overwhelming experience for both of you I'm sure and I think what you just said at these last uh, you know 20 30 minutes has been a little bit of distillation a, a synopsis of your struggle and journey as you have worked through together bringing in a very distinctly gospel emphasis to parenting uh, children with autism. And so I'm really grateful for this kind of information, Tim and Christine, and for your love for this topic, your love to um, make this issue and, and, and aware awareness in the congregation. And I pray that God would use our conversation to really bless parents whose children uh, have autism and to bless the congregation who ministers to these families also. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.